You're listening to Grow Great, the podcast. The website is growgreat.com. This is episode 15, season 2021. Greg Jones, Leadership Insights, from Georgia Tech to the startup world to restaurateur. That's today's show. We're going to bring it to you next. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I am your host. Again, the website is growgreat.com. Greg Jones is our guest today, and Greg is currently the owner of the Beehive Neighborhood Hangout explore that's without an e explore family of restaurants and co-owner of artfully baked and brewed all in hot springs village arkansas ah but his roots are in high tech armed with a computer science degree from georgia tech greg entered the real world by way of startups eventually he found his way to an international multi-billion dollar company where he took a small division think below 10 million bucks a year to over $200 million a year. And in about three years or so, most recently, he has taken a one-off idea that was born one fateful night, and he has grown it into an eight-location restaurant business with more than $6 million in annual revenue. No, Greg doesn't have any restaurant background prior to this. His story is really interesting. You're going to enjoy it. Here he is. He's Greg Jones. Greg, I appreciate you being on the show. Thanks for accepting the invitation. Sure. It's great to be with you today. So give our audience a little bit of context. You can scatter a little bit of personal with professional, but so that people have some understanding of who and what you are. Yeah, sure. So um, I had a pretty interesting time here in the last, actually the last seven or eight years. Uh, You know, I, I, Graduated from Georgia Tech back in 81 in computer science before computer science was cool. Um, now it's like everybody wants to be in computer science, but uh, it was fun, uh, you know, as I was uh, getting through my career and spent a lot of time, you know, building companies, a lot of startup companies, working for large corporate companies. So I've had a pretty wide variety of, of uh, experiences and, you know, both U.S. and international as well. Uh, but it's been kind of cool the last few years. You know, I actually did a pretty good size pivot in my career from, you know, technology to restaurant ownership, which, you know, when uh, we moved up here to Hot Springs Village, um, I never would have thought was going to happen. So it's been kind of fun. Uh, but it's interesting that I've been able to apply a lot of the things through all of my technology and leadership, of all the small and large companies, you know, to running pretty much a totally different kind of business. Um, you know, I'd never had anything to do with the restaurant business before, but uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh, really enjoy it. And, and we're here in Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, uh, which is a very unique place, um, you know, in the kind of world. Uh, very beautiful area. We moved here from Dallas uh, about eight years ago. Uh, me and my wife, Tricia, our son, our youngest son has since moved here as well with his fiance and our oldest son still lives there in the Dallas area. So you know, it's been a a great experience and, you know, a little bit of a change of lifestyle for us from the big city, big corporate to now 
what I don't know. Maybe we will be big corporate again here. I don't know. We'll see. You're headed there. You're headed there. <laughs> in all the in all the best ways. Yeah. Influences. I, I started out selling hi-fi. Most of the audience has heard my story, so I won't dive into it. But for those of you that might be new, you know, I, I started as a high school kid working in a stereo shop back when they had stereo shops, you know, back in the, in the mid seventies and largely my leadership or management style, sad to report was largely influenced by tyrants. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, I figured out how not to do it, uh, sure. and then was pleasantly pleased you know, when I, I got connected to bosses that really believed in kind of nurturing and fostering growth in people. Tell us about some of your early influences. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, you know, back when I started my career in computer science, I was doing a lot of embedded software. I worked at a company. Uh, my very first job actually was a company called Autocron. They were based in Atlanta um, and they built, you remember those old machines you call the bank and it would tell you what the time was. Yeah, they built those. They were a private company, the only private company allowed to put some equipment in a central office. And so my first experience was actually taking that that box um, and adding weather. Remember when they added time yes. and weather? Yeah, that was me. Time, time and temperature. <laughs> You're the time and temperature I did guy. The weather in those in those boxes. But it was kind of interesting because I kind of went through a kind of a technology phase where I learned a lot about you know, and did a lot of really cool technology types of things. I had some really good, great technology influences uh, there as well. But I think what really was, I, I would say, a, a turning point for me is I had the opportunity to, to move beyond kind of the technology into more of kind of the, I would say, more into the sales engineering and then product management and things like that. And as I moved into some of those other areas, you know, moving into, you know, other companies and things that I did, uh, I had some great influencers who worked for a, a small company you might remember that was in Atlanta called Lanier Business Products. Yeah. They sold $500 little mini tape recorders yeah, to exactly. people that didn't know they needed little tape recorders. <laughs> That's right. And they had a very cool structured method of the way that they would you know, work with customers. And I didn't work for them, but I worked for some of their senior executives who had come to work for a company, a startup that I was with at the time. And so I learned a lot about, you know, how to work with customers, how to understand their needs, how to listen, um, you know, which are not necessarily things that from an engineering background that we do a lot of. Um, and so I had a lot of early influences from, you know, from some of those guys. One of them was like the national training manager for Lanier, right? So he trained all of their salespeople around the country. So some really good, strong influences from that perspective. You know, and then, of course, lots of strong influencers from the technology perspective. I mean, that was kind of my background. And, you know, having a degree from Georgia Tech, we, we had a lot of great people, you know, at Georgia Tech from the technology side. But I, I think that one of the key things that I would say in my career that really has helped me is having some of that balance, right, between really understanding the technology and having some deep technological uh, kind of, you know, experience but being able to mix that with, you know, the people skills and how you sell and, you know, how you present, how you create, you know, even doing presentations, right. right? Um, how you do those things that really helped me, you know, as I moved along in my career from, you know, small to large companies and, you know, everything in between. Tell us about your experiences. So when, when you, you get direct reports, whether it's one or a hundred, who cares, mm -hmm. but, but now you're having to manage 
for lack of a better phrase, you're having to manage downward. You're having to manage up with your boss and you've got peers as well. That's a, that's a, that seems to be a really difficult place for a lot of folks today who are trying to figure out, well, as one CEO told me, tell me why soft skills are so hard. (laughs) Exactly. in, In navigating that arena, I don't know, share your insights there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, because of the wide variety of kind of things that I was involved with that really helped because it's, you know, leadership is about not only motivation of employees and, you know, doing whatever it takes and making your employees also know that you will do whatever it takes, right? From, you know, I, I worked at startups, we we took, we had to alternate cleaning the bathrooms. I mean, you know, you right. got to do what you got to do, right? And right. I think that's part of the, uh, my leadership style is I'm not going to ask anybody to do something I wouldn't do or can't do even sometimes. Um, but part of, you know, managing up is p- politics, right? It's understanding how to listen, how to, you know, how to kind of express yourself, you know, with, with your ideas and doing it in a way that is more like an elevator pitch a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I told you this story once before about when I went to work for a big company and, you know, I got a whole bunch of direct reports and I was brand new there and, you know, there's a big management change over there that, that I happen to, you know, be in charge of at that time. But, you know, and, and people come in and, you know, we got an hour schedule and they bring like 64 slides. Well, you know, you can't do that, <laughs> right? It's about, you know, let, give me like the much higher level kind of approach. And so, like I told you, I sent them away and said, you know, come back without, you know, in a, you know, we did an hour long meeting. We were five slides in and, you know, I told them I'll go away and come back tomorrow with a much more condensed kind of solution. Well, you know, they didn't really catch on right away. They brought back, you know, they, they put the slides in quadrants. And so their 64 slides went to 16. But but yet again, that was, you know, it was kind of an interesting experience and helped them understand, you know, what from a management perspective, what I needed to know. I didn't need to know every tiny little minutiae detail. And I think when you're managing up, I think it's the same way, right? You need to figure out how you put it into ways that people can understand easily, that can be consumed relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if they do ask for a lot more detail, you can come back and and work those kinds of things, right, and get them what they need. But you've got to have kind of that elevator speech about what you're doing and how you're running the organization, you know, and and any issues you have and and be able to do that fairly succinctly. Yeah, part of the challenge that many of my clients have is the – and the way that I approach it is respect your boss, respect your boss's time. So fly at a high level. And if they ask for more details, cause this is what tends to happen, right? I mean, somebody gives their boss something and then the boss needs more detail and they immediately go, Oh man, I should have, I should have given them the detail. They start beating themselves up and I'm like, no, 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 no. Respect yeah. them enough to let them drive the bus wherever they want to take it as far as the details. So I think a lot of it is just us misreading. Well, I mean, like your team, I mean, okay, so we're going to get that. We're going to cram this information in fewer slides. What, what was the, what was the result after that? That's what I'm curious about. So it it took us about, you know, that was like my third day there, right. As management of this pretty good size organization, like 400 people. And, uh, it took me about a month for them to really start to get the message and take this to heart, right. That, I, I don't need to see every tiny little detail. What I'm trying to understand is what the issues are, uh, what the overriding goals and metrics are to get to those goals. And that's what I'm really focused on, right? I, I, I'm not here to do your job or necessarily tell you 
how to do your job. That's why I hired, that's why you're yeah. here, right? So, so I need you to make me feel like you understand what's going on and you have a way to measure it and you know when you're going to get there because, you know, it's like with most goals, if you, if, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there, right? I mean, yep. you can go any way you want to go, but you're, who knows yep. how long it's going to take you. Well, and that brings up a, a good point because a lot of, a lot of our work is trying to help people with high-performing culture, high-performing environment. And so many people want to take the attitude, yeah, well, we're high-performing. Okay, well, show me. And there's no evidence at all. They're not measuring, they're not measuring anything, but they, right. they want to feel good about themselves. Now, coming from your background, I would, su I would suspect that, and I know you well enough already that, that you're metrics driven and you, you want to measure stuff for those people that might be timid or afraid of that. You got any advice? Don't be because that will help you run your business so much better and it will let you sleep better at night because if you don't know what's going on, you worry a lot. <laughs> Right. If you have a way to understand what's happening, you know, how well your business is performing, um, you'll feel better. You'll be less stressed and your business will run better. And you can explain to your employees and everyone else how the business is doing in a really easy way that they can understand. Right. Um, and so that that would be my suggestion is don't be afraid of that. It is going to make your life way better if you do it. As an engineer, for people that may struggle with, well, okay, well, what, what should I, what should I measure? And you're now in the restaurant business and every business is going to be different. And those, those metrics, you know, whether people want to call them KPIs or whatever, mm -hmm. but the real key things that people, how, how, how can people best figure out what should I be really mostly focused on when I measure? Well, I mean, I think there's a few areas that, that you want to focus on, right? I mean, if you think about the areas of a business, and, and as you said, I kind of came from the technology space, and one of my partners at one of my startups even asked me this the other day. He said, well, you know, how, how have you been able to apply what you did in all these startups and these big companies that you work for to the restaurant business? You know, it's completely different. I'm like, well, it's not really, right? I mean, it's, it's sales. That's our frontline people. That's our servers. That's our front of house managers. It's, it's that whole group that is responsible for sales and customer satisfaction and things that you can measure. Right. And then you've got kind of the back end of that stuff, which is, you know, how do we, uh, you know, how, how do we understand what our cost is? Right. So our cost of goods sold, right. How are we measuring that? How are we handling inventory? I mean, that's our kitchen staff, right? I mean, it's the same stuff, right. How, how well is our, what's our perception in the market, right. In terms of, you know, what is uh you know, actually happening in terms of our marketing and things like that. I mean, that's the marketing department, right? And then you've got operations and they're managing inventory. And then you've got, you know, the, this is the same areas that we have in any size company. It's just applied, you know, to the restaurant business. And so, I mean, I think it's, it's really looking at what are the key metrics that you want to measure uh, for us in the restaurant business, it's sales and cost, right? So, we, we want to manage, you know, our cost of inventory, our cost of goods sold, our cost of labor, uh, which in the in, which in the restaurant business is our largest cost, um, especially now. It's even more so than it has been in the past. So those are the things that we really focus on. And we try to develop tools and and systems that help us measure those things in kind of a more automated way so that we know, you know, every day I can tell you exactly what our current, you know, sales per labor hour is, I can tell you how many people are working, our sales, you know, our, our, what, what our costs of every 
every item is that we sell in every menu and, you know, all the different locations that we have operating. So it, it's really a matter of trying to determine kind of what are the right things to look at and then find tools to make it as automated as you can possibly make it because you do not want to be sitting down and having to do spreadsheets every night to figure this out. There are tons of automated tools, web services. The web is your friend. Cloud services are your friend. You know, we have a service that we use that provides us a tremendous amount of insight into our business. They, they, it's all hooked together between all of our different systems, you know, and truthfully, there's, they, they'll tell you when they sign you up, it's like, well, we'll you'll, you'll see immediately, you know, how our value approaches your business, right? And how we can help you run your business. And there's no doubt for the amount of money they sell, they save me way, way more money than that just in understanding how my business runs. Well, and companies today, really with all the technology, we're just without excuse. I mean, we're, it's just bullheadedness and stubbornness that prevents us from measuring and looking at these things. Cause you and I both have lived long enough. I especially have, you know, in, in the days where it very much was spreadsheet driven, Oh yeah. Uh, you know, and we're so far removed from that, thankfully. So, yeah. Well, and- and I think the, the good thing is that, you know, like my business is small enough that I can adopt new technologies fairly quickly. I think that's the, really the big challenge of large organizations is they've got a huge boat to turn, right, in order to adopt some of these technologies. Uh, but you can turn it. I mean, I, I did it at a big, big company. You can do it. It just may take a little bit longer. So you get out of school and are you are you immediately kind of drawn to the startup world or are you more drawn to big, big company stuff at that point. You know, it's interesting. I, I actually wanted to stay in Atlanta. Uh, there were not a lot of large technology companies in Atlanta. Most of them were relatively small at the time. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I intentionally took a job. I mean, cause everybody comes to recruit to Georgia tech. I mean, I could have worked for yeah. anybody around the country. I mean, all the big corporations come to Georgia tech. Um, but I actually want to stay around in Georgia. I want to stay in Atlanta if I could. And so I was kind of drawn to some smaller companies. And, you know, I actually got into the startup world, you know, through a, uh, a person who had been with one of the, you know, they were kind of medium sized. I, I mentioned the company Autocron. They were kind of medium sized companies that had gone to work with a startup guy who that's how I eventually got into startup space, um, basically through some referrals uh, in, in that space. But, uh, yeah, I mean, so I, I would have, I, I think for me, uh, small to medium sized companies really are my preference. Although, yeah. like, you know, I mean, I've done some really big ones too. Right. Uh, but right. when I go to the big companies, the reason why they have hired me is because I think of it like a small company, right? I, I, I try to run it like a smaller company, uh, you know, understanding what's going on with the business, figuring out the metrics. Right. And not thinking that, hey, yeah, no, I'm part of this four billion dollar organization. No, no, no. I'm a two hundred million dollar mid-market company and I got to run it like that. Um, Just I know that I have this backup, but I don't really want to think of me being a that cog. Right. I want to try to run it and make my my division as as best as I can make it. Well, you've got extensive startup experience. So, I mean, from the get go, were you kind of hooked to that whole startup kind of environment? It was fun after, you know, when I went to the first startup, that kind of led to the second one and the third one and the fourth one. And, you know, the ones that I created and, and things like that, it was, you get, it is, you, you do kind of get hooked to it. Right. I mean, it is kind of, all right. So me and another guy, we come up with a great idea. Let's, let's it's ours, right. It's not yeah. somebody else's. 
it's ours to make or break and to make what we can out of it. And there's a certain amount of, you know, control that you get from that. Um, Some turn out well, some don't, and you just have to know that's going to be the case. Right. But, you know, we've, I've done several venture backed startups and things like that. I mean, it's, it's a different kind of world from, you know, uh, other types of corporations that you might start, but it's truly, it's a lot of fun. Right. I mean, and there's, you, you meet a lot of very entrepreneurial people when you do that. Right. Um, sure. you know, all, all over the place. Right. So people that have the same kind of passion about your, about the business and about the products and things like that. And that's, that's really what entrepreneurism is. It's about passion. Do you love in that journey? If you define, if you define escaping earth's gravity as a, as a startup, kind of that zero to 60 phase, and then that 60 North phase of really getting momentum and now building traction. Mm-hmm. Is there one area of that journey that you enjoy more than any other? Uh, you know, the zero to 60 phase is, is slog work, right? I mean, that's the yeah. hardest part, right? Yeah. You, you got one is, you know, you're still not sure whether or not you're going to make the 60 to, you know, over <laughs> right. 60 miles an hour, 60 miles. Right. So yeah. you're still in kind of that mood. So you're kind of in the, you know, and, and you're also in the trying to scrape together as much money as you can from everybody that you know, and you know, whatever, and still hold on to as much ownership as you can while you do that. Yeah, right? Which is exactly really the key. Um, but kind of that next, that next, uh, next phase is really, I think is the most fun. Cause that's really when you've got a product, you're kind of already know that it's good in the market. You've got some test customers, you know, you're kind of getting ready to go from the, you know, two guys in the garage to you're, you're going to hire some more people. You're going to, you know, start thinking about more marketing. You're going to think about operationally how you scale, you know, and a lot of that is some of the, really the fun stuff that I think that I enjoy doing is, you know, how, how we get to scale kind of going beyond the, you know, the first, uh, you know, the first little pieces. And, you know, that's, that's how I've done this, you know, I curve gig with the restaurants I have, we started one tiny restaurant and now we got eight. Right. And it's all about, yeah. Well, and t- yeah. Right? T- 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 share, share that story with our audience. So you move from Dallas and you move to this place, hot Springs village, Arkansas, which admittedly is a place that I love, which is how he and I met, uh, and what, what took you there and how did you end up here in the restaurant game? <laughs> yeah, it was a, you know, we, we actually had come up here with friends, like a lot of other people fell in love with the beauty of the place, eventually wound up building a kind of a weekend getaway home from Dallas. Um, you know, dealt with all the folks in Dallas saying Arkansas, you know, <laughs> was, yeah, but you know, right. it was, it's a great place. We have a great place on the lake here. The cost of living is low and, and it's beautiful here. And so, you know, we eventually got to the point in our lives where, you know, we wanted to kind of have more space and a little bit more relaxed lifestyle and not deal with, you know, hour long traffic commutes and things like that. At the time I was, um, you know, operating a company as, as the CTO a company called Edge IQ, which is headquartered in Denver now. Um, and so I could pretty much work anywhere I wanted to work from. And so we were, we decided to move here about eight years ago and you know, the problem when you kind of move to rural areas, especially kind of areas around Arkansas or more retirement sort of areas, um, you know, there's not a lot to do, especially at night. And, you know, I, I've traveled all over the world, been 100 countries. I've been um, thousands of restaurants and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we were at a concert one night and, you know, we got out of the concert, which is, you know, here not too far from our house and with some friends and we want to have drinks and like, well, we got to drive 30 minutes to a place that's even open at nine o'clock at night. 
Like, I, I, I got to fix this just personally. I want to fix it because I want a place to go hang out. And so wound up, uh, you know, with the, you know, the Beehive, which we opened three and a half years ago now. Uh, took an old kind of abandoned 10-year-old closed building and turned it into a really cool uh, gastropub music event center kind of place. And I did it personally just for selfish reasons. That's why I did it. And, you know, that's grown and, you know, it's done really well. And that led to another one and another one. And here recently, a whole bunch more as we try to scale the business to make, you know, to make a bigger impact. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of got kind of beyond as you were saying, the first 60 miles was the beehive. And then after that, <laughs> yeah. right, it's about scale and operations and all these other things and how we do it, you know, to, to make our organization run better and be more profitable. But it's amazing, you know, when you've got, when you've got the leadership chops that you clearly do and the management tools and talent, which you clearly do. I mean, it is amazing how greatness can kind of scale which is a good thing. So the number, so the, the, the work that's going on right now, the ones that you're playing to open, you're going to be up to how many storefronts? Oh, we'll have eight. Eight. Yeah. yeah. And we'll be, we'll have grown from about a half million dollars in revenue to six and a half million dollars in revenue in three years, a little less than three years. Yeah. Not yeah. at all what you were planning. Through right? COVID. I mean, through COVID, through COVID. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, but there's, uh, there's a, there's a lesson there. I mean, it's not just about, I don't think it's just about pure ambition. I mean, it certainly is about ability because you clearly brought with you world-class leadership and management tools and skills that you had learned over the course of your career. Uh, And, and I'm supposing 20 years ago, you probably wouldn't have been so motivated to embark on what you embarked on. Well, you know, back in the, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, I had to worry about my kids getting through college. I had to do exactly. lots of other things, but you know, truthfully, I was always in the startup world. So yeah. those worries happened from the beginning of my career, truthfully. And right. you know, my wife was all in with me on, you know, on the ride. And, you know, there were a lot of times I missed a lot of stuff, you know, that our kids were doing and I yeah. tried my best, you know, and, and we actually did pretty well. And, you know, Trish and I've been married to uh, what now 34 years. So yeah. You know, we've, we've been along on this ride and it's critically important that your spouse or whoever, you know, you're with is, is yeah. along with you for this ride because you can't do it by yourself. For emerging leaders, and, and, and I'm assuming the advice may be different, but maybe not, but particularly just focus for a minute here or two for emerging leaders. For these people that are out of school, it, it's not maybe their first job, but it may be their second job. And they've now got a direct report and they've never had a direct report before. What counsel would you give them? Communication is the key, right? I mean, don't go sit in your office and have people like, you know, send your report, work with the people, work with your direct reports, show them the way, right? Uh, they may not know how to do something, encourage them to ask questions, right? Uh, that, that is critical, right? Let them make mistakes because they will. Don't try to do everything. That's another huge mistake, right? Yeah, it's like, okay, well, I ask you to do it. Oh, but you can't do it as well as I can, so I'm just going to go do it. Don't do that, right? Let them make mistakes. Let them learn. Let them grow. That's how you'll build a great employee. That's how you'll build great leadership skills, right? You you can't, you know, there, there are a lot of things I know I could do in this business that I could probably do it better than the people I've hired to do it. 
but I'm not going to go do that <laughs> right. because they'll never get as good as me. Right. And my goal is to make them better than I am. That's my goal. Right. Talk to us about the present day. So how, how are you developing leadership within your, your current organization? Yeah. So we have now a pretty decent leadership team. Um, we have, a, I have quite a few direct reports um, and I have direct reports that have lots of employees under them. We have almost a hundred employees now uh, in our team. Um, I have four direct reports and they manage all hundred of those employees. Um, I encourage them to, you know, adopt the leadership scout. A lot of them, all my direct reports I've worked with for a long time now. Um, they've pretty much all been with me since the beginning. So they understand my style. They understand leadership. They understand what I expect. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of people that apply for a job here. He'll uh, say, oh, Greg, he's, you know, he's a, he's a hard ass. You don't want to work for him. And other people say, no, he's not. He just has high expectations of you. Right. And, and I think that's my, what I try to tell my team. We need to keep and have high expectations of, of our employees. We need to help them understand you know, how to do their jobs better, right? What we expect of them. Uh, and then everyone will be great, right? And we'll continue to develop new leaders in our organization. And we have, um, we even have like, we, we've developed leaders that were dishwashers. I mean, it, it's amazing. I mean, my executive chef uh, today at our restaurant group started out as a prep cook at the Beehive. And now he oversees culinary operations for a $6 million team, right? So, we, we work with folks, we give them the opportunity to grow and they can seize on that opportunity. They'll be really successful. There are some people that don't and they'll just not, they're not gonna be as successful, but we're gonna try to pave the trail and let them be as successful as they want to be. All right, time for the shameless plug. So if, <laughs> if, people, if, if people wanna connect with you or, or figure out more about what you're up to, where are we gonna send them? Yeah, so you can go to any of our websites. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page, uh, Beehive HSV or Explore Lakeside. That It doesn't have an E. It starts at X-P-L-O-R-E lakeside.com. Um, or feel free, if you want to drop me an email, you got questions, greg at explorelakeside.com. I'll be glad to talk with you and uh, you know try to respond to as many as I can. Um, and come visit Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. It's a beautiful place. Uh, it's the largest gated community in the country. Uh, you know, it's lots of woods. We got trails and lakes and golf courses and some great restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> Come and check them out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's awesome. Okay. Let me ask you for just one last, one last favor. So communication being, being the key in your experience, what's the big thing that people get wrong other than just not doing it, but when they do communicate, but if they don't do it so well, what's the biggest thing that you've seen that people do that completely blows up their ability to be a good leader and what they might could do different? Listen, don't do all the talking. That's what I would say. And I'm guilty of that too on many occasions. Um, but that I would say that that probably is the thing I would tell them. Stop talking and listen to what other people are saying. Let some other people do the talking. Um, and then your communications will be so much better because you'll get a much better point of view of what the other person is saying. You know, you can have a real discussion. If you're doing all the talking, you're not having a discussion. You're just telling them what to do. Well said. Good place to end. 
Thanks for doing this, yep. Greg. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Talk to you later. I appreciate you clicking play. Hope you found value in the conversation with Mr. Greg Jones from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. I'm going to put links over in the show notes to his family of restaurants and would encourage you, if you are in the vicinity of Central Arkansas around Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, you must go check them out. My website, growgreat.com. You've just listened to episode 15, season 2021. That'll help you find the show notes. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.